Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans, and welcome to another week of the Peristyle Podcast. This week is episode number 28 for the podcast, talking Trojan football for over half a year now. And in the first segment, we're joined by the coach, as always, Harvey Hyde. What's up, coach? Well, here we go again, buddy. We hope it's a long season ending, uh, well, starting August the 30th down in Virginia, and then, of course, uh, the national championship game on on uh, January the 8th in the Orange Bowl. So uh, that means we've got a lot of uh, segments to do, have some fun, enjoy college football at its best. And uh, for all the Trojan fans out there, hope that they'll be booking their reservations to go to Miami. I think a lot of them already have, Coach. We'll see. It's going to get started this weekend. It's finally here. It's game week at USC. They started game preparations. We're going to talk all about it. We have a great show for you today. It's all going to be about Virginia. We're going to hear from Dan Weike. We're going to hear from Pete Carroll uh, from the press conference, him talking about Virginia. So we've got all that for you today on the podcast. Hope you enjoy. Before we do that, let's get to a little business and thank our sponsor at Southern California Tickets. Go to sctickets.com. Give them a call, 1-800-888-7287. Any kind of tickets you need, concerts, sporting events, the theater, all of that stuff. But, of course, we're talking sports now. If you need Ohio State tickets, you definitely want to check them out. I know that's a hot ticket in town, Coach. Ohio State, that two weeks. But first, we got to talk about the Cavaliers. Well, let's get started with it. I tell you, uh, it's a huge game for USC as far as the opening game. But it's a huge game, too, for the University of Virginia because it's a challenge for them. The ACC, as far as going up against not only the Pac-10, but there's a lot of great games this first weekend. The Pac-10 has taken on some great rivals and some great conferences. But, you know, Virginia last year had a very surprising team. They finished 9-4. and four. They were picked to be in the middle of the pack of the ACC. They won uh, a lot of close football games, five games by two points or less, I believe, and uh, got a New Year's Day uh, invitation to play in the Gator Bowl where they came within a couple of seconds, uh, if I remember correctly, of beating Texas Tech. So uh, the program has improved. The program now is, uh, I guess, uh, expected to play at that same level. But the opening game against USC is a true challenge for them and something great for their football program. And I think also it's going to be one uh, where it's in a rebuilding stage, Virginia, and it's a way of finding out if they are for real. They were 9-4 and four last year, won a lot of close games. And in your opening game, you know, you really get psyched up. You're a little bit more nervous because you're not beat up, and it's what you've been waiting for the entire year. So Virginia will be spirited. The crowd will be crazy. And the challenge for Virginia will be overwhelming. And yet the same type of feeling will be with the Trojans from USC as they take their Trojan program, uh, one that is one on the road, I think one that has won two, ten uh, games on the road, and, and they're going down to, to Virginia to represent themselves and the Pac-10 in, in, in as exciting uh, 
you know, way as they can. And I think it's going to be a great challenge for them also to go down there and not only beat the team, but take the crowd out of the game, give a media section of the country, the southeast uh, area of the country, which will be covering the game, a real feel of voting power if the Trojans are for real, and put an impression or make an impression on that part of the country where college football is everything. Not that it isn't everything here, but there, there isn't anything else to do. Here, there's a lot to do, and then there is the Trojans. And, and I'll tell you, uh, you know, right now USC is the program in Southern California, as far as football is concerned, as far as representing, not that UCLA doesn't have an outstanding program to be and still is, but right now it's the NFL team, it's the college team, it's, it's what everyone wants to read about and watch on national television. So it's an impression that the Trojans will be trying to make in the South and a national television audience and for voting power power and all of that as far as getting ready for that big one in two weeks that you mentioned earlier, September 13th against Ohio State. So, you know, there's a lot on the line here for both teams as far as recruiting, uh, impressions, representing the conference, uh, the whole thing. Yeah, I agree with you, Coach. And recruiting is obviously a big part of that. Pete Carroll loves to recruit nationally. Whenever you get to play someone far away, then obviously you can impress Recruits in another part of the country, and that's something Pete Carroll enjoys doing quite a bit. One of the things, Coach, and I've had a few people talk to me about this on uh, kind of the media stuff I've been doing lately, but just the preparation that Pete Carroll goes through, and we kind of talked about this. I think he really sets it up for you know impressive coming out of the shoot and just being all you know that much more impressive as a team when you're doing ones versus ones, and we talked about this before in the podcast, and you're running your practice at a very high tempo. I think by the time they get to the game, they, they just seem to be better prepared uh, that, you know, that first game of the season or the first two games of the season than some of these other teams who might not even be doing all that much hitting during their camp trying to keep everybody healthy and, and ready for the opener. Pete Carroll, they're letting guys go at it and just go at each other and whack each other around. Yeah, people get banged up a little bit, but they are ready to play the game when it rolls around. And you saw the competition this week in practice as, you know, game week. First, you know, they're installing that the offenses and the defenses and they're running against the scout team. They're, the scout team's running what the Virginia offense and Virginia defense is going to do. So they're preparing for the opponent. Uh, but it's just, you see that preparation there, and these guys are just ready to go, rip roar ready to go. They're ready to play. And it seems like Pete Carroll has, does a great job of getting them ready. Well, he does, because the first thing he says, and he always emphasizes, we can't talk about anybody else's program. We've got to worry about how we do it first. We've got to do it right on our end before it becomes uh, a game plan. If we don't, if we can't execute and, uh, and do our techniques properly on what we're trying to do, then we can't put in a game plan. We've got to learn what we do and, and not beat ourselves. And, and he does this. He, his team believes in him. Uh, they know that he knows what he's talking about. And, he, and, you know, when you look at what he's done in the opening games, I think they've won, I, I can't remember how many straight games they've won against non-conference opponents, but their last four losses, I think, have come all in conference. So they really like to play out of conference, too. Pete Carroll likes to play out of conference. 
He likes to go down to the different places he's been. He likes to go down and and take the Trojan horse. In fact, I think Al Gore, the coach at Virginia, said they'd been playing the USC fight song on their audio system at practice so the players get used to hearing that song, the fight song, over and over and over. I mean, now to do that, I'm telling you, there's a lot of respect for a program and a, and a coach preparing his team because the FC band will go there, but they got a band too, you know. Yeah, you're right, Coach. And, uh, you know, Al Grove's got a, he's got a tough schedule this year. And, uh, you, you know, 9-4 and four last year, like you said, there were three one-point wins on that schedule last year, the 9-4 and four team. Uh, you know, they, they were close with Duke. I think they beat Duke by 11. Uh, Duke's obviously, they were 1-11 and 11 last year. Not a very good team. So there was some definitely close content. I mean, that 9-4 and four record could have easily been a 6-7 and seven or a 7-6, and six, something like that. So, I mean, they're, they're, there's a lot of expectations there. There's no more Chris Long. Uh, you, know, you lose your starting quarterback to academics. Um, this, it's, they've got a lot to replace on the line. And for me, Coach, I think that's where the biggest problem is going to be. People are talking about the inexperience on the Trojan offensive line, but all those guys do have at least you know a couple starts each. The, the, the Virginia line being inexperienced going up against USC athletes on both lines, I think it's going to give them a lot of problems. And when you, obviously you don't have good line play, it's hard for anything else to work. Well, I agree with you. And, you know, let's don't kid anybody. The Trojans are a 19-and-a-half-point favorite, and they should be. They should be. I'm complaining down there, you know, is, is a complete challenge. But when's the last time you found or saw Virginia in the top five in recruiting? Or athletes are the next. You know, what makes great coaching is, a, is great players. And then great coaches emerge with having great players because they're able to motivate them and keep them and, and make them uh, concentrate and execute what they're supposed to do. So, you know, uh, yes, they have some great players down at Virginia, but would you trade any of them for any FC players? I, I, I don't think I would. I mean, if somebody said, uh, uh, would you take this player for Virginia and trade him for one of our linebackers? They have, they're saying, a great linebacker core. Well, I don't think I would trade one of SC's linebackers for their linebackers. And the offensive line, of course, for USC is young, but they're all talented, and they're the top recruits in the country as far as uh, last year and, and, the, and the years prior. Yes, they haven't had a lot of experience, but how do you get experience? When you've had a lot of great players in front of you, when it comes your turn, you get experience. But they get their experience in practice going against a great defense, and you get better when you get hit in the mouth every single day and that's the way you grow up you get out of the diapers and you start to you know find out that it's just a bruise and it's not your heart that's bleeding but you got to punch back and i think this is what makes sc what it is because they'll wear you down they've got so many players that they'll wear you down they substitute freely and how much of a difference is there there is difference don't get me wrong but how much of a difference is there between, like, the running backs or the receivers or the defensive backs or the defensive ends or the linebackers? Yeah, there's a difference. But yet there can be any one of them stepping in for someone and there's not a big drop-off. While at Virginia, they'll have great players, but they don't have the depth. 
And this is what SC will do. Eventually, they'll wear them down. They can't allow the crowd to get into the game. They can't allow any stupid mistakes early in the game where someone runs a punt back or someone runs a kickoff back or someone runs an interception back or picks up a fumble. But then the crowd starts to believe, you know, that, hey, we can do this. You never encourage on a, a team that they have a chance against you. You go in there as the hammer. Why did Stanford beat USC last year? Because at halftime, SC encouraged Stanford. They, 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 they gave them a belief when they went in that, hey, we're supposed to be down by 30. It's a 40, we're a 40-point underdog, but we're going in at halftime by 10. I mean, so down by 10, I think it was. But So, you know, you got to go in there and be the team you're supposed to be. Yeah, Coach, and uh, I think you talked about the players. One player I think Pete Carroll talked about yesterday at the press conference, Eugene Monroe, their big tackle. He might take him, but you're, you're right on everything else. I think uh, not, you know, not a very impressive group of skill position players, a lot of pedestrian wide receivers. Um, you have four of the five leading pass catchers last year for the Cavaliers were not receivers. They had tight ends and running backs catching most of the passes. And, you know, they had a mobile quarterback, and he's now gone, so you have a typical drop back passer. I think it's going to try to do a lot of dinking and dunking, and I'm not sure how successful he's going to be against that USC defense. I guess the one place that USC could have a problem, uh, you know, uh, Pete Carroll talked about them playing a traditional uh, 3-4 defense, but they do bring it up, and they'll, they'll make the front uh, kind of look like, you know, there's more guys on the line of scrimmage than there are, almost like a 5-2 type of front. They can... Uh, stunt and blitz and, and bring people from different positions. And it can be confusing uh, for an offensive front with a young line and a, a young quarterback in Mark Sanchez. I, I think that's one area that Virginia could be able to confuse USC a little bit and, and have some success on defense. Yeah, you could do that, you know, and they're going to have to do that. How do you beat SC? Well, you're causing them to make mistakes. You've got a blitz. You can't sit there and play a man on man. You can't sit there and read and play a base defense against USC if you're Virginia. So you've got to take chances to win. You've got to go after people. You've got to overload. You've got to do zone blitzes. You've got to do different things to try to equalize and hope that SC makes a mistake. And, you know, there's ways to countering that, too, if you're USC. You know, there's ways to say, okay, this is what they're going to do, so this is what we're going to do. And that allows you to hit big plays, too, when people are guessing and blitzing. You know, they're going one way and you're going the other way, especially if you have quick hitting plays up the middle and different things that hit slants and corners and fades and streaks because they've got to be playing them a lot of man if they're going to be blitzing. A lot of zones, you curl inside behind the linebackers, you hit the hot receivers. There's only a screen. You do a lot of different things when people are, are doing certain things against you, and that's what you know your game planning is. So. You know, uh, the first quarter you're sort of trying to figure out because you really don't know what a team's going to do in your opening game. You know, you, they've been, you go off of what they did last year, really, and, you know, you don't exchange normally spring game uh, video or anything like that. You try to have an advantage in the opening game. Yeah. FC won't change much, but Virginia could change some because, they, you know, they want to show you something different to get, get try to confuse you in order to try to equalize the game. You know, realistically, uh, they're an underdog. Realistically, uh, they want to keep it close. Realistically, they've got to come after you. 
It's a great challenge. And number one, they don't want to get embarrassed because the worst thing they could do to injure their entire season, Virginia, is to get embarrassed. I mean, the way Auburn was in, or not Auburn, Arkansas, and Auburn too, the way the Trojans went into Arkansas, they embarrassed Arkansas. In fact, two of their players transferred to USC, and and it caused uh, uh, Houston to get fired eventually because of the confusion. They changed the offense. They went from a passing offense that was supposed to be to a running offense and so on. So because of the panic that came from the embarrassment on national TV that the Trojans did in Arkansas. So the number one thing Virginia wants to do is be in the game. Don't embarrass ourselves. And that's the way they'll play it. I, I agree with you, Coach. And it, sometimes teams do get embarrassed that first game, and they bounce back, or you get like an Auburn or something, you know, going all the way to the the SEC championship game or whatever, or you get an or the following year maybe doing something like that, going undefeated, or an Arkansas making the championship game after that early season loss, and then other teams kind of spiral out of control. So obviously, you just you'd rather not have to deal with that and see which way your team responds. Uh, one thing I wanted to to bring up with you, Coach, and uh, you know, from your coaching experience. Pete Carroll came out yesterday and really was not ready or willing to name a starting tailback or even a starting receiver. He didn't say, like, this is going to be Stephon Johnson is the starter and Joe McKnight's going to come in here. He just said, basically, the guy who plays the first play is exactly that. He played the first play. It doesn't mean he's better than this guy. He's a starter. He definitely wants to use a rotation for those skill position guys. I mean, you got a lot of them. There's a lot of skill guys there. Uh, six scholarship running backs, all of which were super highly recruited, five of them five-star guys on Rivals.com. Similar kind of thing you have on the receiver side. You know, They have six or seven guys that, are, that could easily play, and, and probably a lot of them would start just about anywhere in the Pac-10. What, are your, what is your philosophy here? You know, It's not like the NFL where there's like one or two running backs and these three receivers are one we're going to use all the time. Is it hard for these student-athletes to just be in a rotation as opposed to being the man? Well, yeah, it is hard, but yet it's better than not playing. And right now, what Pete Carroll is is got to do is he's got to keep these players happy. And uh, you know, they all came there to play, and there's uh, each one of them have a different greatness. Some of them are better than others. You've seen in the newspaper how whoever these articles are written by, rating the strengths and weaknesses of each one of the running backs and receivers and so on, which you know could be true or not true. That's not my statement that's what they put in the paper uh but you know when you have as many running backs that you have that are quality that could probably start on any other team in the pack 10 or same with some of the receivers the highly dotted receivers and and in recruiting when you go out and recruit you know you tell these kids you know we feel you can play and start and and you you, you make commitments to these kids so you just can't go out and 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 just all of a sudden forget what you told them and their parents and their high school coaches so in this type of a situation, I would probably say the same thing, unless it's clear-cut, and at least uh, you know, unless it's definite because of the way we're playing, uh, this is the starters. I wouldn't do it either if he can get away with doing that, which Pete Carroll can do, and the players. Uh, it all comes down to what play it is. Uh, that's who's going to be the starter on the first play of the game. What do they call offensively? Because I'm sure that they'll be back to that certain thing that on a certain run or a certain pass or a certain play or a certain whatever, some receiver is a better blocker, a better catcher on that route and so on. 
And and I think that's what it'll come back down to. I, I don't like to see that because I think you get formation tendencies and so on. But uh, I think if you rotate it around enough and they all have their choice chance of doing everything, then um, you keep everyone happy. You don't have, you know, a thousand yard rushers or two thousand yard rushers, or you don't have somebody with seventy five catches and all of this and that. But you've got people that are playing, and you've got uh, people that are happy, and and I think that's part of it. The morale of your team, the morale of your team is very important. And uh, when you keep your players happy, they go back and tell their coaches they're happy, and all of a sudden you get more players that are happy from that same school because you've kept your word. Yeah, I agree with you, Coach. It's it's hard keeping all those five-star guys happy, but Pete Carroll seems to figure out a way to do it, and uh, he just came out and said, no starters there. Everyone's going to play. So it'll be interesting to see. Now it's the last part of the segment, Coach. We've got to get to the predictions. I'll give you, uh, give you mine real quickly first. I, I do think I, I'm not picking the upset. I think USC is going to win this game. Uh, about the spread, I like, I like about a 31-10 to 10, uh, score here. I think USC is probably going to keep it, keep it fairly conservative on offense. You might even see Sanchez leave if they have a big enough lead sometime in the third quarter. Uh, you know, I, I do like the USC defense. I think they're going to cause fits uh, for Virginia. But I think they'll get good field position one time and get some scores. But I do think USC defense is going to play lights out. The offense will be good, not great. And USC wins 31-10. to 10. Well, I'd say they should uh, go down there and uh, have a great opening game. I agree 100%. Uh, I think the offense will be kept simple. I think defense, they're planning on getting turnovers and play great defense, which they should against Virginia. I think the defense will get a couple of picks. I think they'll get a couple of turnovers. I think that uh, with the way the defense will play, that'll cause Virginia to do things that they probably don't do well, and that's drop back pass. And that's with your guys, with SC going after them, you're going to see some frantic, uh, panicking quarterbacks and receivers and hits on receivers, whether they have the ball or not. And offensively, if I'm Pete Carroll or Steve Sarkeesian, I'm going to try to get a running game going. I've got to have a running game against Ohio State. I've got to have Ohio State at least uh, work on it, think that we can run the football and we need practice at running the football. And we've got to get our quality of backs in there running the football plus when you run the football you protect your quarterback and i would do my play action pass from the running game because that protects your quarterback because you have time to fake you're not putting your quarterback in a position if it is mark sanchez to get hit so i would keep it a simple game plan offensively i would run the football and you've got to run the football because if you don't run the football you're not going to beat that you're not going to beat certain teams. So you've got to establish a running game as they did against Nebraska, if you remember a year ago. And they've got to then play action, pass off of that. You'll see some drop back passing, but you certainly don't want Sanchez to be hit in any single way. So uh, I think they dominate the football game. If they don't dominate the football game, then I'll be very surprised and they won't be able to beat Ohio State. They've got to be able to dominate Virginia. All right, Coach. Well, thanks very much for your time. We're all out of time for this segment. And, Coach, thank you to our sponsors as well, Southern California Tickets, sctickets.com. And, Coach, 
We'll talk to you next week after the Virginia game. You got it, buddy. And again, thank you. All right. Thanks, everyone. We're going to take a really short break. Come back. We're going to talk to uscfootball.com beat writer Dan Wyke, and then we'll hear from Pete Carroll at the USC press conference. So stay tuned. The Parastyle Podcast will be back after this short break. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. Hey, USC Trojan fans, to get into the huddle of your Southern Cal Trojans, log on to uscfootball.com today for all the latest in Trojan football, basketball, and recruiting news. Ryan Abraham will give you an in-depth analysis, recruiting updates, and will answer your questions every day on the message board. So for all the latest in team and recruiting news on your USC Trojans, check out uscfootball.com, the officially licensed Southern Cal site of the Rivals.com network. We now return to the Parastyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. All right, we're back with the second segment of the Parastyle Podcast. This week, we're talking all about the Virginia Cavaliers. And in this segment, we're going to talk to uscfootball.com beat writer, Dan Wyke. Dan, what's going on? Nothing, just uh, immersed in everything that is Wahoo right now. The Wahoos, yeah, I, you know, I'm feeling, to be honest, before we get into Virginia here and and talking about going to Charlottesville and all that, which we're both going to be doing, I'm feeling a little equipment envy, and I'm sure you don't know what that feels like, Dan. No, I don't. I, I've never envied anything. <laughs> uh, no, I just this morning I went into the uh, KLAA studios uh, 8:30. I was on the Roger Lodge show for. Uh, about an hour, and they have a really nice studio that's right uh, in Angel Stadium. So you get to go in the stadium and all this kind of stuff. It's kind of funny. There's a whole bunch of cars there. I'm not sure. I guess a lot of people do do work there. And uh, now I'm in the the luxurious uscfootball.com studios with my little mixing board and uh, mic and headphones. It's just not quite the same as being at a big studio. No, that's that's sad. Um, <laughs> really, uh, you know, I was a uh... I have big hopes for you to move up in the world at some point in time, and and you know I, I think uh, I think you're on the right track. Right? We're, we're on our way. The podcast is on its way. I actually have another mic and headphones on the way, so like whenever we do the podcast wow. with you live, we'll have you have your own headphones and mic and all that kind of stuff. Spit guard. I know you know because I know you like to spit. All that. It'll be great. We're we're expanding at least. That's good. Apparently, I am a spitter. <laughs> All right. Well, if anyone has any questions for us, uh, you can give us an email podcast at uscfootball.com and uh, we will do our best to answer that. But Dan, I just wanted to focus uh, on Virginia a little bit. The team seems to be, and when Pete Carroll talks, seems like he talks about USC and what USC has to do. What has he talked about on the Virginia side so far? You know, I mean, I think he sees a lot of USC in, in some ways in Virginia. Um, you know, both coaches have that AFC East pedigree, Eldrill, spending time at the Jet with the Jets and the Patriots, just like somebody else spent time with those teams. And, uh, you know, never actually there at the same time. Um, but, uh, 
but yeah, you know, I, I think, you know, he looks at that offense as, as being a pro style offense. Um, you know, and, and then he talks about their three, four defense and he said, you know, it's an NFL style three, four defense. So I think they're actually pretty well prepared. Um, there's the kind of an X factor though, in all of this. And, and that's, you know, they play him first. And when you play a team first, I mean, you've got all the spring ball, you've got all the summer workouts and you've got all fall camp to, to, Week, whatever that you're doing, you look at you look at a team like Auburn, who was able to install a spread offense, you know, between the end of the regular season and a bowl game. And granted, it was kind of a crude version of the spread offense, but you know, they're able to just install a completely different system. I mean, they were a power running team, and they and they went to the spread. They're able to do that over the course of the off season. And so with Virginia, I mean, you really don't know exactly what you're getting. I mean, it could be could be anything. I mean, really, they, they could have, they could have, you know, they could have installed elements of the spread, which, you know, I've heard that McGrow, after they played Texas Tech in a bowl game, that's, you know, they spent some time around Texas Tech looking at, looking at the spread offense. And like, you're going to probably see a little, some elements of that. I think you're going to probably, you know, other than that, you, you really don't have any concrete idea of what, the, what they're going to do. It's really about just getting through that first quarter and then making the necessary adjustments at that point. Yeah, they did definitely go out after they lost to Texas Tech in the bowl game. Uh, they sent one of the coaches out there and check out that offense a little bit. I mean, the problem is, you know, the quarterback last year, Sewell, was a more mobile guy, and now he's academically ineligible. So they did, they really have, you know, where they're choosing from, it looks like more of a drop-back group of passers, and I don't know how well they'd be able to implement, you know, those elements of the spread just because of the personnel that's left over. I mean, you can do things in the spread without, you know, doing that quarterback zone read. Um, you know, you can do stuff with the pass where you just use a lot of four and five um, receiver sets and spread the field and do a lot of short, quick passes and stuff like that. I mean, there are things you can do without having to run, you know, or you can, you know, in some circumstances, you can even, if you want to do the zone read, you know, Virginia has two pretty capable tailbacks, Cedric Perman and Mikhail Simpson, guys that maybe you could, and they're, they're veteran guys, maybe they do something where they line both of those guys up and do that zone read stuff, kind of like what Arkansas would do at times last year with Felix Jones and Aaron McFadden. Yeah, whatever they do, they need to figure out a way to get to the ball to the receivers because they took like what USC last year did with uh, Fred Davis and, and kind of took it to the nth degree where you know, your top, you know, four, your, your top three, I think four of the top five receivers were running backs and tight ends. And I don't think that's really a recipe to, to beat USC if, if, you, if you can't get the ball out and get the ball down the field a little bit. you got to make big plays. There's no question. I think um, in a home opener like that, they're going to have to take some shots. And, you know, it's, it, they're really, I mean, I would think that that's the recipe to, to win. You know, um, I had a chance to participate in Elgro's uh, press conference on Tuesday and he said the, the recipe for winning would be to look at the New York Giants model, um, the way the Giants handled the Patriots, which was you make big plays, you rush the passer, and at the end of the game you win. Uh, you, you do something to win the game. And, you know, I mean, that sounds good um, in theory. You know, I think that's an approach that a lot of teams will take when, they, when they're, you know, double-digit underdogs. But – to implement something like that, I mean, you almost have to play a perfect game, and and the first game of the year, that's almost always impossible to do. So rarely does the team come out right out of the gates and look perfect. And and I think in a lot of, I mean, when you when you've got that talent void, um, you know, between USC and Virginia, that gap, Virginia's going to have to play pretty close to a perfect game. Yeah, I think it's more of a chasm uh, than a gap. 
But I agree, there's definitely some talent there. The problem is, yeah, I understand rushing the, rushing the passer. They don't have an Osiermanura. Uh, they don't have a Michael Strahan. Uh, they had Chris Long, and he's gone. They, say, they don't they have run Chris a, Long either, yeah. Yeah, they run a 3-4, and all three of the linemen are gone. So, they're, I mean, we talked about this in the last segment a little bit with Coach Hyde. They can be confusing because they can bring different linebackers from different spots, mm-hmm. uh, stunt yeah. a little bit. They can do things like that but they're replacing the entire defensive line. I know the USC line's young, but I, I just don't see them having too much trouble with an entirely new defensive front. I do think that the 3-4 could give this offensive line a little trouble just because of the, the problems that they had early in camp with communication and, and calls and reads. Um, I mean, against 3-4, those, <laughs> those things are just you know necessities. And I, I do foresee some problems with that. Like I said, but I mean, it's the first game of the year. I, I really don't think that's going to be anything that's overwhelming. I mean, I'm almost 100% positive without having seen a Virginia practice that this defense isn't as good as it's going to be, you know, 12, 13, 14 weeks from now. I mean, that's just a given. I mean, teams. This right now you're catching a team at the very beginning of the year, like you said, with a lot of new personnel, guys still trying to find their place. And, and you know, I think that that's going to be – just an, that that'll just be almost an impossible issue to overcome. Yeah. You know, on the flip side of that, when we look at USC, I mean, obviously on offense, they're they're in a similar situation where you've got a lot of new guys, and there's going to be some kind of that feeling out process as to who's going to fulfill what role. Um, because you know that was one thing I wrote about in the practice report on Tuesday. But I think you know if you want to talk about, it, I think it's pretty interesting. Would be. You know, that Carroll said, you know, we're not going to name a starting tailback. We're going to have a guy on the field first, but I mean, we're going to rotate those guys and we're going to use, we're going to play to their strengths. You know, when, and I think when you have that kind of depth, that's, that's not a bad thing to do. Obviously, that's something you don't want to fall into a, a, a pattern where every time you bring CJ Gable in, you know, you run pitch plays or you pass because he's such a good blocker. You know, I, I think you want to, you want to be, um, diverse and your play calling with with those guys but at the same time it wouldn't make sense to to, to have joe mcknight on the field and, and only have him pick up blocks it, it just doesn't make sense it's not as you know his strength is being out in the open field and and, and making guys miss and making those exciting plays so i fully imagine that they're going to put him in positions to make guys miss and to make big plays no i agree with you there and uh, i i think when you look at the starting experience because of what you said that there's all those receivers and none of them are really starters. And there's all those, I mean, not that they can't be starters, but they just, they're letting everybody kind of be a starter. It's like, a, you know, you go on the play, the field first, but just because whatever play was called. And the same thing with the running backs. I mean, Mark Sanchez has three starts. Uh, Havili's got a bunch of starts. The running backs, the mm-hmm. receivers all have starts. Even the offensive line, you got four new starters, but all four of those new starters have at least, you know, one or two starts. So some of them three and I think the big problem, you know, that you could have with that 3-4 is the communication, like you said. But look for Christopher O'Dowd. I think that's going to be, even though it's a new starter there, I think the center position is going to be upgraded from last year. I, I remember being in the Nebraska locker room. Uh, his, I believe it was his very first start. And I talked to Coach Rule for quite a while uh, because they started a, a true freshman uh, for the very first time uh, at center. And Rule was really impressed with the way he handled the crowd noise, the way he handled the communications, the the hand signals. He did it all. And I think having 
Christopher O'Dowd back. Yeah, technically he's not a starter, but he did start three games. I think he's going to have a, a real big impact on this line and really help with the communication. Just kind of, you know, he, he communicated well last year with a veteran group, and I think he's going to help bring some of these younger guys along this year. You know, he's one of those guys that definitely falls into that category of the most important people on, 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 the, on the offense. I mean, you know, as far as guys that you could, you know, really ill afford to lose, he has really been uh, just a solidifying rock. In, in, in that line, the center of that line, you know, he's, he's been there all through camp. He's fought through some like little injuries and, and, you know, he's just a tough, hard nosed guy. I won't, from talking to him, I get, I get a sense of maturity from him, you know, mature perhaps bond beyond his years. And, and it's something where I, I really, I think Pete Carroll really puts a lot of trust in him and, and feels confident in that offensive line when he's in the middle. Yeah, I know it's, that's true. And, uh, we're going to change topics a little bit. I want to talk about the uh, LPGA and their ruling. No, I'm just kidding about that. We're not going to talk about that. That's all <laughs> over the news, uh, the LPGA uh, enforcing English. I was just watching uh, Outside the Lines. That's where I uh, got that from. I'm but... sure I'm, I'm, I'm sure your conservative self loves it. You love it. <laughs> no, I, I you know, they're just trying to market the sport. But USC doesn't have any problem marketing their sport. Uh, it, a lot of media down there practice, uh, especially this week when Mark Sanchez came back. Um, just want to get your overall thoughts on uh, how he looked this week in practice, and uh, you know what you expect from him in the game. Do you think he's going to play the entire time? Do you think he'll play a half or or what? I think if they need him to play the entire game, the entire time to win the game, I think they'll they'll definitely come out the field as long as they need to. Um, you know, he's received full clearance to play, and there's issues I think with his stamina at this point, and, and you know his uh, his cardio probably isn't where it needs to be. But he's a guy. I think you know he's a gamer, that, and, and that's that gets overused so much. And, and I apologize to anybody who's listening for for using such a lame cliche. But but really, it it, it really seems to apply in his case. He he's just a tough kid who brings all these intangibles with him on the field. You know, you you look at the the arm strength when you compare the arms of Corp and Mustaine and Sanchez. And and yeah, I like Sanchez's arm probably the best. But it's it's not a huge gap, really. Um, it's not a it's not a chasm, as you would say. It's it's you know it's it's more like you know a little pond or something like that between those two guys. And and you know I think the thing that makes Mark the the best choice for this team it, it's his command of the offense. It's the energy he brings, the leadership skills, all those intangibles really that that are just off the charts, those unmeasurables that were. He he does such a great job in, in those aspects of the game. Um, I mean, you can just tell when he's out on the field, the offense gets a huge bump. I mean, it's just that they are so much more comfortable. They look like they have just almost a calm comes over the team when, when he's on the field. And and that's just obviously when you when you go on the road in your first game, that's you know so important. But uh, but yeah, I think I think he's looked good. Um, there's been some rust, um, you know. Yeah, he threw a couple interceptions yesterday, which which actually I think was a good thing. I mean, I thought, you know, it's good to see the defense not backing out for him. Um, the big question is I still haven't seen him take a big hit. Um, you know, he's going to need to take one at some point in time um, to, to, to really to really be um, fully tested. I'm actually uh, – I've got college football live on in the background now, and, and I see the, uh, the young Mark Sanchez being interviewed. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously there, there are a lot of eyes on him. Um, but he's a guy who's really embraced, I think, the, the whole aspects of being the quarterback at USC, and, and that's such a huge part of his, his deal. 
Yeah, I mean, there's something that comes with being the uh, signal caller at USC, and I think. Oh, uh, don't say signal caller. I, I did it just that. for you, Dad. I, that, I threw that out there. Oh, I, I think threw I, up in my mouth. I hate that so much. <laughs> Dan, uh, just for people that don't know, I, I used Signal Caller in, in one of my stories or something, and and Dan like kind of, you know, it was fair... on TV. You did it on TV. It was did I do on TV? Oh, okay. Oh, oh, good. My okay. Gosh. So I was on NFL Network saying that, and Dan, you know, I think fairly politely for him said, you know, hey, I I really don't like uh, that. I just hate the use of Signal Caller. So of course, I think the way I I think the way I said it is that every time you say it, I Inside. Yeah, I think that's how I, I think that's how I may have phrased it. And for me, now I'm going to use it as much as I possibly can. So uh, oh I do God. apologize for everyone out there, but I will be saying signal caller quite a bit. If you like it, don't like it, you can always email us and let us know your opinion. Podcast at uscfootball.com. Dan, yeah, I brought this up on the the radio show this morning uh, with Roger Lodge and Dave Smith, and uh, I just wanted to kind of get your thoughts on it a little bit. They wanted to know, like, if kind of what the drop off was. You know, they when the other guys came in. You know, Dave Smith actually brought up uh, that one scrimmage where there was one touchdown pass thrown, and it was thrown by Garrett Green, the former wide receiver. And they first, re- the first scrimmage, yeah, the first scrimmage. They really need you know Mark Sanchez in there. And I think one of the things, and you, you brought this up, it wasn't that. I mean, yeah, the you know Mitch Mustaine and Aaron Corp didn't you know, always play their best. And, uh, you know, if you expected some of that, one of those guys to step up and, and become the next guy and, and take over that job and just try to keep it, not even just take it over temporarily, but try to take over and be so good that Mark can't even get it back. I mean, that was definitely a possibility. And, you know, that nothing close to that uh, ended up happening. Yeah. But I think because of those intangibles, that leadership stuff that Mark had, and he, you know, when they named a starter in the spring and Mark led those guys through the summer, he was such a charismatic leader and, and just had everybody in the palm of his hands, basically, that the entire offense kind of took a blow. It wasn't just that the quarterback play went down, but I think everybody kind of took a step back a little bit just because their leader was down. Yeah, I mean, I think that that was definitely um, definitely an issue. It was something where I think the biggest thing that that I mean is that the off when when the offense is being run by guys who don't have the the command of the offense that Mark Sanchez has, there's going to be a dip. I mean, I think you know over the course of practices and you know summer workouts and the stuff that I've seen, I, you know I think USC could probably win at Virginia with either Mitch Mustaine or Aaron Corp. I mean, really, I really I, I really think that you know I don't know if they could beat Ohio State. But I, but I think they could probably win at Virginia with either of those guys. And I think that, you know, at some point in time this year, you know, those guys are going to probably play, at least one of them, if not both. Um, you know, it appears right now that Aaron Corp is the guy who who would back up Mark Sanchez just from the flow of plays that he's taken. Um, and, and I think Corp, you know, could come in and be serviceable. I mean, he can do things that Mark can't, you know, really. I mean, he, he's more athletic. He's a better runner. Um, you can do, you know, some of that stuff where you can roll him out. Mark's good on uh, out of the pocket, but I mean, Corp, that's really where his strength are, strengths are. You know, he makes big plays when he's uh, with his feet, and that's something that I, I didn't see that huge that huge dip. I guess, um, you know, obviously there, there was a production dip, but but it was. I think you can just attribute that to just those guys still learning the offense. Really, I think that in a game situation, I mean, the coaching staff would do a good job. You know, with depending on whoever's the quarterback of formatting the playbook in a way that you know they wouldn't ask Aaron Corp to, to 
to go to like, you know, page 380 of the playbook on a play that he might not be comfortable with. I just don't see that happening unless they absolutely had to. Yeah, I think Corp, and funny, Corp was kind of known uh, at Orange Lutheran in high school, wasn't the best practice player in the world, but he was... You know, a- I've, I've heard that about him, and I I don't... I mean, maybe it's because I haven't seen him in games, but... I haven't I haven't seen any lax practice habits out of him really. No, I mean, it's not it's not about lax that? practice habits. It's just that you know he wouldn't exactly wow you if you watched him practice. But once the games came on, then it was kind of like his playmaking ability would like he would run the plays he was supposed to do. But when things broke down, he was able to make something happen with his legs, with his arm, whatever. And he was just kind of known as a, a gamer type of guy. And I think you saw a little bit of that in the spring game where he. Uh, led his team to a victory throwing a touchdown pass and double overtime to Trayvon Patterson in the back of the end zone and, and getting a victory. So I, I, he might actually give you a better chance, but I think Mitch Mustaine shows he can win too. And, you know, he won eight games in the sec. So yeah, it's just because I we mean, didn't see I, I think it. His pedigree as a winner is unquestioned. Yeah. And just, just because what we saw in practice there, the, like you said, there was stuff happening. The offensive line was still kind of coming together. You got Jeff Byers that was just coming back. Uh, there was a lot of stuff going on there, and uh, you know, I, I think USC would have a chance to win uh, against Ohio State with either of those two guys. I think they would still win fairly convincingly against Virginia, but we'll have to wait and see what happens over there. I mean, it's it's going to be it's always tough going on the road and, and starting your first game. You never know how these kids are going to react. Typically, under Pete Carroll, they've always reacted well, and I think that's because of the preparation. But it's still a long trip, twenty five hundred miles, and you got to see what happens. Yeah, I mean, I think you bring up an interesting point there. Um, you know, from talking to some players, actually, I haven't even had this conversation with you yet. Um, just talking to some players on the second and third team offense, there, there's a little concern, I think, about the depth of the offensive line, just because it is, there's a lot of young players on that second and third team, and, you know, they're, they're picking up the offense slowly. It's really affected their ability to, to really make huge plays when, when you're running or a quarterback and you're lined up behind that second or third offensive line. Things get a lot tougher. When you you know what I mean? When you don't have the time, you don't have the the holes. I mean, have you noticed that at all? I've seen that in practice where it's been, I think, a lot harder for some guys to really break out um, because of that. No, it's uh, true. I mean, you need offensive line play, obviously, and it's. Uh, but that's I think that's part of the reason why the team is going to do a little bit better on offense in the game than they have even at practice is because they they do kind of spread things out a little bit, and once it becomes one total cohesive unit and you don't have like uh you know parsons trying to play center for this second or third team and you know you know and, and play guard over here move people around i think everyone's going to be kind of focused and get into their role and i think you know the depth chart i think has worked itself out to the point where okay i think they're ready they've come together enough and then you see them at virginia and they might they might bring in eight guys on the offensive line who knows but i think eight gonna, or nine yeah. eight or nine was the number of carol yeah said. but to be honest, I, I think they're going to go with those first five for a while. And uh, yeah. I think if they feel comfortable with that, they're going to stick with it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think you're right. I mean, you know, this team's in great shape. Um, you know, people have talked about the, you know, like I said, I got college football live on in the background. Um, a plug to our buddy Bruce Feldman, who uh, is a contributor. And, um, you know, the, one, of the, one of the email comments, which, by the way, I just typically just ignore, um, was about you know was about USC and, and a rash of injuries and how their players are dropping like flies. Well, I don't think anybody's really been paying attention. This this has been a team that's been really really lucky. 
I mean, granted, this came from Alabama. I don't know if that quantifies it. Two weeks ago, so, there was a rash of injuries, so I think the uh, the internet signal just got there. Yeah, well, I mean, and, and when a rash of injuries, a very, uh, very, very well chosen uh, phrasing. Um, <laughs> when, when you when you when you look at at their injuries, you know, I mean, Joe McKnight hyperextended an elbow, could have torn ligaments, could have done damage that requires surgery. Well, he's okay. Uh, Mark Sanchez, you know, dislocates a kneecap. Um, you know, does tear a, a, a ligament. I mean, you have to to dislocate the knee, the, the knee but it, 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 it's not a big deal. It's not, I mean, he doesn't need surgery, did no major damage whatsoever. Um, and he, I mean, he's back and he looks good. I mean, you know, CJ Gable gets hurt sort of on a free play where, you know, he injures his hip and his ankle on the same side. I mean, you know, one of those injuries could be enough to keep him out. Two of those injuries, though, I mean, on the same side of your body, you would think would, would hamper you, uh, you know, enormously. Well, he's back and he's breaking huge runs. I mean, really, the only guy right now who may possibly not play at Virginia would be Sharice uh, Wright, unless, you know, barring, barring you know, other injuries um, in the next two days. is Sharice Wright, really. I mean, he's the only guy who I can see uh, maybe missing the game. And if, if he doesn't play, well, you got Kevin Thomas and Josh Pinkett, you know, Guys that are proven, the guys that have played in the system, you know, veteran guys who are ready to step in and play. I mean, really, rashing injuries. Come on, Alabama people. Seriously, <laughs> it's not really seriously. That bad, yes, there, it looked bad yeah. a couple weeks ago, potentially because of what you said. But pretty much everyone came I mean, back, and part of it's because of that competition factor. They don't want to be yeah. off the field that long. I mean, you got C.J. Gable; I mean, he can't afford to not play and then get buried behind. You know, five, four or five other five-star tailbacks. There's just no way that can happen. I mean, you even see it out of guys like Brian Cushing. I mean, Brian Cushing has a cast right now on his left, you know, on his left wrist. It's a sprained wrist. It's precautionary. He's going to be fine. A much more damaging injury. Nothing. You know, that's it. That's. I mean, to the point now when I when when we talk about injuries, I just kind of shrug my shoulders and say, eh. You know, it just seems like this team has got, you know, rabbit's feet hitting all over the locker room horseshoe. You know, it might be a leprechaun running around. Who knows? Who I mean, knows? really, this team has been very charmed. Yeah, okay. All right, well, we're out of time for the segment. Dan, I just wanted to thank you for your contributions. I'm not going. I'm not ready, I'm not ready to go. You're too, well, we're out of time. So we'll uh, we'll talk to you again after the Virginia game when we <laughs> both go out to Charlottesville. And uh, we'll get your reaction of what you saw from the press box there. And uh, anyway, thanks, Dan, for your time on this segment here. Ryan, it's always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right, everyone stick around. One quick break, and we'll be back, and you'll hear from Pete Carroll from the USC Press Conference. You are listening to the Peristyle Podcast from Los Angeles, California. Hey, USC Trojan fans, to get into the huddle of your Southern Cal Trojans, log on to uscfootball.com today for all the latest in Trojan football, basketball, and recruiting news. Ryan Abraham will give you an in-depth analysis, recruiting updates, and will answer your questions every day on the message board. So for all the latest in team and recruiting news on your USC Trojans, check out uscfootball.com, the officially licensed Southern Cal site of the Rivals.com network. It's time to get back to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. We are back with the Peristyle Podcast, our third segment and final segment of this week. And uh, we're going to go right to the Pete Carroll audio from Tuesday's press conference. You can hear him addressing the media and talking about playing Virginia. Hey there, welcome back. 
You ready for some football? Here we go. Um, we're uh, really pumped up at this time. We're coming out of camp uh, on, a, on a pretty good feeling, uh, particularly in terms of our guys all being available to us. Uh, I think we'll get the final word on, on Mark's situation. But we come out of camp real healthy and looking forward to a, uh, a tremendous challenge here going you know, all across the country to play Virginia. Uh, at their place and in a, a program that we've watched all, you know, all throughout the off season, um, with with uh, great respect. Uh, I love the, the, the way they play, the style that they have, um, their their background of their, their their football program and all. You know, with uh, Coach Grohl, uh, it's real obvious that they got great stuff, and so it's going to be a terrific matchup for us. As I look at this, as we've looked at other openers in the past, when we've had really good teams. You know, with big settings and all that, they've, they've meant a lot to us uh, if we're able to get the win. And, uh, you know, we, we accomplished the fact that we've gone on the road, that we've traveled, we've, uh, you know, you get that opening game under your belt against a good team, and all of those things that, that, that add to your, your confidence as you go on down the schedule is important. So, uh, and I particularly like the, the, the challenge of the matchup, but we expect that it's going to be a very difficult game. Um, in, in terms of our, our players, uh, uh, and they've been focusing so hard on, on just making it through camp and surviving it and all of that. As we've turned our focus to Virginia and, and to game preparation, they've been pumped up about it and looking forward to hitting somebody else and playing against another team and all of that, of course. Uh, and so uh, you know, we're well into the preparation of it. Uh, today is a, is a classic Tuesday for us, but uh, we were a few days ahead of that um, because of, you know, coming out of the camp, you had that opportunity. Um, the... Uh, the situation I think that most people are concerned about is what's going on with the quarterback. Mark practiced really well yesterday. He, um, he's had a couple good days under his belt. He feels very confident about it. Uh, we've got to get through the doctors tonight. Um, but I think he's going to be, uh, you know, if we can make it from each day to day, he's going to be ready to play for us. He looked great. He, he doesn't look like there's any problems at all. Um, his knee's still a little bit swollen. Uh, still kind of black and blue, but, but uh, he hasn't, he's not in any serious pain at all. And so uh, he's managed very well. Uh, in the likelihood that he can't go, you know, both of our quarterbacks are ready to go. Um, they're, they've been in a competitive setting, this uh, Aaron Corp and Mitch Mustaine, throughout camp. Um, the, the, an unusual situation presented by the fact that Mark went down early, you know, put these guys into a, a, an obvious competitive race to see who can win the thing and in, in the event that Mark couldn't play. And so it's really added to the sense of urgency for those guys in our preparation. We'll benefit from this over the long run of it, that those guys have both had to feel the, you know, that what it feels to, to run this, this team. And uh, they both you know, competed very well. They're very close in the competition. And, and uh, like we said, the competition will continue. The, the, the main concern right now is, is their confidence in handling the system. You know, and and uh, it just takes a long time. You know, we've, if we've watched over the years in our quarterback situation, it's take, taken, uh, it took Mark three years. It took John David three years. Uh, it, it, it took Matt got it done a little bit sooner than that, but it, it just takes quite a while to, to master it. And uh, it's also uh, amplified. That fact is amplified when we see Mark come back out and we see his uh, his ability to handle the terminology and help his players around him. Um, just the subtleties of in uh, the speed in the, the the flow of, of the play calling and, and uh, the alerts that he makes. It just accents the other guy's ability to play well, and so um, it's it's quite clear that it's a difficult challenge for the young guys. But yet they're as ready as they can get, and they're they, you know they're they're hoping they get a chance to play to help us out and trying to get a win. So uh, 
the other um, big big news we had yesterday, C.J. Gable came flying back as he had a great day of practice yesterday. He was full speed and, and was was on a mission to prove that he was full speed. He's not missing this game. And it's a, an extraordinary recovery from a very unusual situation that happened on the practice field. And we all thought he was in, in big, big trouble, but uh, he, he just wouldn't hear of it. And so he's bounced right back and uh, had a great day. So if he can come back today and show that he's, he's, he's recovered without any... Uh, you know, any, any problems, and, and we're really on course to have a, a really a good core of guys ready to play for us. Uh, the only other guy in question is Sharice Wright, uh, I think, of guys that we're counting on, uh, and he did not practice the full practice yesterday, but feels fine and wants to go today. So, so uh, with that, it's it's uh, it's exciting to be getting ready for the 08 season. This is an exciting football team for us. It's a very high-spirited, energetic team. They've practiced beautifully throughout. They've been extremely competitive. They've given us a, a great sense that we've accomplished what we wanted to accomplish in camp. And uh, But that, all of that having been said, it doesn't mean anything unless we play well. So now our focus is to, is to get our game right and play really clean, sharp football, do a really good job of handling the things that we're in control of. And, uh, that's the movements, the line of scrimmage, the... the uh, all of the things that we do that, that allows us to execute are really important, and that's what we zero in on as we, we wrap up camp, uh, wrap up the preparation for this game. So uh, on we go, and uh, we're looking forward to it. All right, that's our show for this week. Thank you to everyone for tuning into the Peristyle Podcast, either on iTunes, where you can find us. If you want to download to your uh, iPod or MP3 player, just go to iTunes and search for Peristyle Podcast, or you can always find us on uscfootball.com. Again, if you have questions or any kind of concerns about the podcast, just drop us an email, podcast at uscfootball.com. For all of our guests, I'm Ryan Abraham, and we'll see you next week. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can now download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player. Just search for Peristyle Podcast the next time you log into iTunes.